Untold Stories in Learning and Development is an all-new podcast shining a light on the learning professionals you haven't heard of. Hosted by Chief Learning Strategist at Easy Generator, Casper Spiro, each episode introduces a new learning professional to explore how they're making waves in the industry in their own ways. Join us for a new story every week. Yes, and good day. This is Casper uh, Spiro with episode four of uh, the podcast Untold Stories uh, in learning and development. And today we have Laurie Niles as a guest. Welcome, Laurie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you. So yeah, just to, to, to jump in, so maybe you can introduce yourself and tell the audience a bit about yourself. Certainly. Uh, so Laurie Niles Hoffman, um, I'm an edtech strategist uh, living in Toronto, Canada. Uh, we have snow today <laughs> and it's March. Um, and uh, I help companies uh, with their, their edtech transformations. Okay, and um, uh, so can you tell me, so why are you working in, in learning and <laughs> development? What, what, what is the trigger there? Um, I've always loved learning. I've always loved, you know, even being in school and, and, and university and studying. But most importantly, um, I've always been fascinated at the impact that learning can have on somebody's career, no matter what their beginnings were, no matter where they started, learning opens up opportunities and that access to information and experience really can change a person's life trajectory. And, and that's what I'm, I'm fascinated by. Okay. And then uh, just out of curiosity, because if you look at, think about learning, you can look in, go into education, but you chose uh, for more like a learning in a corporate environment. Is there a specific reason for that? Uh, I think because I'd done my time in, in, in higher ed and I found it a bit confining. Um, I found that uh, it, it catered to, uh, well, but particularly the system that I, that I came from here in Canada, it catered to people who, had, who were able to access it. Uh, it wasn't open to all. And the fact is when you go into corporate, everybody or most people to some extent work in some way, shape or form. And so there's, there's different opportunities. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, can you describe, because most people don't land their first job in, in learning directly, so there's a whole journey usually. <laughs> can you describe your journey into where you are today? Absolutely. So my journey started a, a long time ago. This would be going back to 1996. Um, and I decided when I graduated, I wanted to go back to Poland, which is where my, my mother and my grandmother are from. And I have family there. That was my big ambition at the time. Everybody was going to Japan and earning lots of money. Um, spoiler alert, you, you don't, don't earn money teaching in Poland. <laughs> so I went there to be an English teacher and I loved it. I positively loved it. Um, and I was there for about two years. And when I came back, I had absolutely no money. And I started working in a call center for a bank um, and then teaching high school during the day. And it was while I was working at the bank um, that I started to re see some of the gaps that they had in, in training and education. And uh, I started putting my hand up for that stuff. And eventually they put me into um, their learning and development uh, oh, okay. uh, department. And, and, and what, what, what kind of study did you do before that? What was your background? Uh, oh, my degree was English literature. Oh, English literature, okay. <laughs> yeah, so nothing to do with this. I sort of fell into it. Um, but I was very lucky when I worked at that um, at that bank. It was uh, BMO, a Bank de Montréal. And it uh, 
was an excellent experience where they really taught me uh, about, at the time we call it instructional design. So I really got a good education and background in that foundation. It, 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 they really uh, helped me with that. And I, I worked my way up and, uh, you know, eventually I was, I started gravitating more towards the ed tech uh, implementations. So implementing, um, you know, uh, LMSs and then eventually LXPs at, at a global scale for companies with like 100,000 people. So I really started to get into that side and, and and I loved it. And and uh, you decided to uh, do that with your own company. So when did that start up? Yeah, so that started. Um, I it, I really left um, to go on my own. It would be around uh, 2016, um, and at the time I was working for KPMG, and I just found that I wanted to give my own advice. I wasn't necessarily in agreement with not that they do bad work, but just I I was seeing things from a different perspective, and so I resigned, and um, that was when I started really working with companies on on a on a sort of short term targeted basis on helping them stand up um, their, their, their ed tech and, and eat their ecosystems and what they are trying to do. And then I was fortunate enough to meet uh, my business partner, Amanda Nolan, in, in 2018. Um, and it was at that time that we've, we formed Niles Nolan. And now we do what we do. Okay. And, uh, and is it uh, because you were talking about learning technology, learning ecosystem? So is it more mm -hmm. like the, the, the technical side of things that you advise on? Or is it also other it's elements of learning? It's it's really the entire package. So what what we find is is, is companies typically come to us because either they well they've purchased an LMS or an LXP and they're not getting engagement. And that's when they usually come to us. It's not the ideal time. Ideally, what we want to do is, and what we, we, we like to do is we work with companies on all aspects of the transformation. So it's not just buying the race car and saying, hey, I'm just going to drive it. It's all the things around it. You know, stakeholder management. What's your, your, how are you going to, um, do a content strategy? How are you going to look at the skills across your organization and where you have gaps and target those specifically? Um, how are you going to use data? How is the data going to flow internally in your in your ecosystem? And how can you use it to make better decisions? Um, how do you become a strategic advisor rather than an order taker? And that um, means a whole new way of working. Um, so there's lots of things around it that, that we work with companies on. And it's really that the tech is, is the engine, but it's all of the things, things are, are around it. As far as go, the mindset of people and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay. And uh, so sometimes you hear that the, the world of learning and the learning departments are, is not the most in, innovative side of companies. Mm -hmm. so, well, you work on where, where change is happening there. So mm -hmm. you would be great to... to to observe that. Do you think that it, is the world changing? Is it uh, like on a standstill? Do you think there are like a lots of new developments? How do you look at that? So it's interesting. There are lots of new developments, um, mostly because with, you know, the transition to, do, uh, to digital with COVID, we saw an influx of investment in ed tech, which is a good thing. Uh, but we also saw a lot of people entering the market very, very quickly because they see opportunities. And I don't want to deny them that, but they're not necessarily coming from a place of good learning um, they, and from a place where they really understand how corporate L&D operates or how people learn. Um, they, and so, so they're, now that said, there are some really good pockets of innovation that uh, we want to keep it, we want to keep our eye on, but the, the, the playing field has not is certainly not level. Um, but I also think, too, in our rush to go digital with L&D, um, we did a lot of really good things. And then 
but I did see a lot of companies where they just tried to perpetuate the status quo. So like if they had a four hour leadership course, they just automatically did the four hour leadership course, but in Adobe connect, it's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> I, I get why you're clinging to the past, but you know, it's, it's about shifting that mindset. So I think now we're starting to come out of that, that reactive mode. And in the past six months, now I'm starting to see people are realizing that even when we return to return to office, that this idea of what's hybrid learning and, and what digital learning really can be, because we also were challenged by what other industries were doing for, for digital that, that, and we ourselves have to keep up with that. Um, and, and we haven't, so there's a lot of, um, a lot of pressures, but I am hopeful. Okay, but I also hear you say it's not just e-learning; it's a hybrid form. So you're looking to, mm -hmm. to all kind of blended modes where you combine it with instructor-led training, face-to-face -face training, and an online component. Absolutely, but even more so than that, it's combining it with things like uh, talent marketplaces. Are new? Uh, they're not new, but it, it's those are really uh, exploding, and I think for very good reason. And I endorse them highly. Where it's not just about having the learning, um, you know, you do it in digital, whatever format, and then you go to a face to face, but those experiences in the talent marketplace where you actually go for six weeks on a project and you're honing those skills and there's feedback loops embedded in that. And you're actually doing and practicing what it is that you're learning. Um, that to me is, is, is a huge part of the hybrid learning. Okay. And that is basically what your work is to enable that and to help company transform into that direction. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We try. And <laughs> I understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And what would be the most important lessons that you learned along this journey? That's an interesting one. Um, you know, I think for me, the most the most important lesson um, I've learned is, you know, to to from a personal perspective, it's okay not to fit, right? And and not always accept the, the status quo. Um, so for me, it, it took me a long time. But when I went independent, it was about looking for the right garden. I was always, a, you know, the right flower in the wrong garden. And it was, it became a case of how do I attract or work with the people that I want to work with? Um, and to me, I think that that's, that's really important to find your purpose. Um, and I know, um, you know, that that's that's just from a very personal perspective. From a wider, you know, more uh, concrete perspective, I'd say the thing that I, I I've learned is, um, you know, ed tech or, or technology is never the answer. Um, it's 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 part of the solution, but you can have the best possible solution ever. Um, but if you're not preparing for how it's going to work and operate, it's it's just going to sit there and rust. Okay, I think yeah, that that is very true. So uh, yeah. Okay, and uh, just out of curiosity, maybe a bit, bit sideways, but I had my own small company for a while, just advising yes. companies, uh, yeah. a bit, bit from the same perspective, so just do and, and with what you want to do without any limitation. <laughs> Don't you find it hard to get into the right corporates because you have to compete with the bigger consultancy firms? <laughs> uh Yes and no. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I have a tenacious business partner, uh, Amanda Nolan, in, in Spain. And uh, she, I, I like to refer to her as a, a tsunami in heels. Um, she, she's very good <laughs> at, making, at making connections um, and, and getting, getting into those places. I think the other key has been um, when, I, when I left KPMG, uh, I really took the time to craft my thoughts and put them out there without filters. And that's almost been a, a lead qualifier in a lot of sense, because if a CLO reads what I'm, what I'm writing, 
it's pretty obvious where I'm coming from and the way that uh, I position things and and what on like I have a I have a I do a lot of honesty and and I, I try to be pretty much a straight shooter. If they don't like that, they won't contact me. Mm-hmm. But the ones who are looking for that will. And I find also too, and a little secret is we work at enterprise level. So we typically work with companies that have got, you know, 50,000 or more employees. Um, they will have the big four in there. Uh, they already have their consultants, but a lot of times they they engage us to fly under the radar to to look at, you know, uh, what's what's going on and get a second perspective. Um, that's not to say that the big four aren't, aren't valuable. They have wealth of experience, but we're very, very niche and targeted in what we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have your, like your specific proposal your specific way of looking at things and they know that so they will that that is also the benefit of being small exactly exactly uh so so you know typically by the time they've contacted us um you know they know what we're about or we've been referred to we don't do any real marketing the the referral system most most of word marketing is probably the main thing for getting new customers in okay cool Okay, that, that was just a personal curiosity. <laughs> okay, and then if we look at uh, at, at uh, corporate learning in general and how that develops, uh, so um, so what do you think is the greatest milestone so far of corporate learning? So what is the biggest achievement? The biggest achievement, really, it sounds very obvious, but for me, it, it's about going digital. And, and 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 this was such a radical shift, and I'm old enough, <laughs> I hate to say it, to, to remember it. I remember, you know, putting learning on CD-ROMs. And it was amazing because at the time, the company, I, I, was, I was also at a financial institution at a bank, and they were so paranoid about a CD-ROM, and we had to password protect it um, in case somebody left the CD-ROM on a subway or someone else picked it up and, uh, you know, a competitor picked it, you know, got it. And I remember laughing, thinking, we printed everything before, <laughs> you know, and yeah. so, so, like, <laughs> We had binders of, of, and books of stuff, and I mean, you didn't need a password for that. But going into digital and 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 that that change and what we tried to to do, when you look at those early early efforts into digital and how far we've we've come, it's really quite quite re- remarkable. Um, you know, it used to be just just basically a textbook on a on a that you downloaded, right? You just read on a screen, and but now it, 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 it's so it's so um, radically different, and I and I think that that's amazing. Um, and how we, we we think about the digital experience and how what that means and how people work. Now I think we're at we're at a, a an, um, an intersection where we have to think about how our technology integrates with the work technology, uh, and how we we blend those two together. So the ed tech how it. So, so that would be the next challenge for learning to make exactly. that connection. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 why do you say that? Because you want to to include the learning in the flow of work, or is there another? Um, it's not so much that. It's about enabling the learning experiences and, and crafting them in a specific way. So an example I like to give is, say, for example, you've done level four Spanish, okay? And because you're learning a language on the side or, you know, for, for your work. The next time you log into Excel, it says, hi, would you like to change your language settings to Spanish? That to me is is now embedding the learning in a very savvy way and embedding that practice in the way that people are are working. So it's not so much learning in the flow of work, but it's also saying we're going to give you opportunity and time to practice skills that you're working on. That requires an entire rethinking. Adjusting the work environment to make it suitable for learning. Is that what you are saying? 
exactly exactly and really thinking about um you know when when somebody takes the time to learn something because i don't believe that you can just learn alongside your job learning takes time it takes effort it takes concentration it's it's there but if we also to give people the opportunities to practice and 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 their craft and to use it in ways that are meaningful and impactful that that to me is 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 where we now have some some magic happening there Okay, that's uh, nice. Okay, so um, so with that challenge, you also already set a bit of a direction of uh, well, learning uh, more integrated uh, in in that workplace. So, is that also what you see as the biggest change that will happen between now and five years, or is there something else on your radar that will happen and change our environment? In order for that to happen, um, SCORM, it ha has to be broken. SCORM is, is what's holding us back. So if we don't break SCORM, we're not going to get to that place. Uh, SCORM has its purpose, but if we don't solve for that, it, 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 it's, it becomes a problem because the data is housed on an LMS and it can only be housed there. And then you have all these other systems that are generating other pieces of data that the LMS cannot interpret. And okay. so we've yeah, got just for the, for the people who sure. are not aware of that, so SCORM is a system to track and trace learning results. Correct. It's back but... to the 1990s, by the way. <laughs> but it's does. still the main uh, mechanism to track and trace results. And the key thing about SCORM is that it can only track and trace learning efforts within an LMS, within in a learning management system. There's a new version of SCORM called XAPI, which is much more open, and it allows you to track and trace from anywhere. So if yes. you have like different places where you learn, you can still track and trace in one database. That, Correct. That's what you're referring to. And exactly. That's what I'm referring to. But the, um, exactly. But the thing with XAPI that I don't think we've quite crafted is it does take, uh, it can take a lot of effort to set that up for XAPI. And it's a specific way of, of publishing. Even though some of the rapid authoring tools will publish right to XAPI, you still have to have the backend operating to um, accept that information. So the example I'd like to give is, if I go on Squarespace, okay, I have a blog, I publish my blog, all I do is write the content. I can, if I look at the backend data analytics that I get from Squarespace without ever having to do anything to it, I get probably 90% of the same data that I do with XAPI without having to do any code whatsoever or having to, to, to generate anywhere. I can also, that data automatically flows to my CRM. Uh, my customer uh, uh, system. So, and I don't need to do anything with it other than set up the connector, the API in. That's where I think we need to go because there's so much tax right now on the average learning developer. They need to know storyline. They need to know how to do a needs analysis or they, they need to know now XAPI. They need to know how to work with data. That's a lot. So how do we make that easier and seamless? Okay, I understand that. Uh, so, for, for if I look at, at how, uh, from my perspective, so with, for example, with this generator, yep. we use XAPI as the default mechanism to track and trace results. Excellent. Uh, so, you don't have to code anything, but mm -hmm. then indeed it's stored in, in either a learning management system or a learning record store. Right. Uh, but then you need to have, of course, the facilities to get the information out of there. Yeah, so, you need exactly. to know a bit about BI tools and stuff like that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So is there a way that, for example, I don't have to do anything for that final step you're talking about for it to go into my CRM? All I do is set up the API, and it, and it, and which is very easy. It's, 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 when I say set up the API, I, I'm not talking about any special yeah. coding. I'm going into my settings and just going click, click. That's it. Okay. And um, 
is that also connected to what you said to the 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 the, uh, the challenge to actually connect the learning to the workplace that you want to yes. connect the learning data to the workplace data so you can actually yeah. have performance data combined with learning data is it absolutely absolutely and how do we how do we mesh the two how do we how how do we marry them because that's that's where we start to now see in real time not only impact of learning but we can also look at workplace performance and say where do we need learning yeah Interesting enough, I had a conversation with the learning manager of Rico earlier this week, and he told me mm. they they did exactly that. They combined that le- the, the the learning data with the performance data. The first thing they found they were overtraining people. Yeah. So yeah. they actually oh, had to to d- diminish the training, and they actually got an improvement in performance. So that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah, but that that goes beyond the the uh, the, the the default usage of XAPI, which is of course meant to track and trace learning results. But then mm-hmm. the power of that comes to be able to combine it with other data, and then uh, an- analyze that and get new insights. So that's basically what the, the the holy grail is and the big change for five years. That's what I hope. That is sincerely okay. what I hope. Would be interesting to see where we are, and and because. Just to be like advocate of the devil. So XAPI was launched in 2013. We're now living in 2022. And it's only like this much of the learning, tracking and tracing done through that. Do you think that the learning world is ready for it? No, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> and and and, I, and that's not because I, I'm I'm downplaying any of the in, intelligence or, or savviness of our of our, of our uh, industry. It's because they're overtaxed. And in, in, you know, as I was saying before, all the things that that a learning professional is expected to know. I mean, I even now see uh, you know job postings that not only are you in charge of learning, you're now in charge of diversity and inclusion. And it's like, okay, oh, hold on. And and some of them even now say you're in charge of wellness. It's so much that we're, we're we're putting into that bucket, and so I think it's it's a capacity issue. That's why I think the more that we can make it seamless, that at least takes off some of the burden. But if we want to be serious about this, you know, we we, we have to put effort into it. And if companies fail to realize, like right now, the average life of a of a technical skill is two and a half years. If you're a company, say, they're operating in an IT space or, or in anything technical, you should be afraid by that. If, if you're not empowering and giving the investment into your L&D team to be able to upskill your, your people, you can't continue to rely on the fact that these people would just be available on the market. They're not. So you yep. have to look at your own workforce. It's a business yep. problem to solve. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Having the right workforce and indeed skilling that workforce and making sure it has the skills you need that... Uh, one of the key reasons, uh, one of the key requirements to be successful, of course, as a company. I totally yeah. agree. Totally yeah. agree. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, sort of uh, captures your view on the corporate learning. Is there something I missed out on, something else that you want to share with us if you look at the world of corporate learning that we should discuss? I think we've covered it. Okay, cool. Then uh, just as we always end uh, the podcast with a bit of knowledge sharing. So who is your ultimate learning hero that people should look into? Uh, There's a lot of them. Um, I would say, though, if I really think of the ultimate learning hero, to me, it's the person on the other end of the, of the screen who is really deep upskilling to change careers. I find those people fascinating. People who are, you know, saying, I, you know, I'm in this industry and I want to move to another one. Like, 
and, and they they put the time into me. That's that's the real hero. Uh, they're 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 amazing. But if I had to say, like the people who I, I really am fascinated with, um, they're Todd Tauber is probably one of the big ones. Uh, he's he's at a degree really fascinating. Uh, Trish Uhl, uh, it's U H L is her surname. Oh, follow her on on Twitter. She is absolutely. Uh, I mean, I have such a brain crush on on all the things that uh, she does. Um, Josh Novell is another interesting person at Warner Music. He's doing incredible things uh, by bringing learning experiences into uh, into work. Um, so those are probably. Have, have you worked with with any of them, or do you know of their work? <laughs> Uh, I know them personally. Um, I've not worked uh, personally with Trish, uh, but I've been at uh, I've been at uh, conferences with her, and I always make a point to 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 uh, go to go to her sessions. Um, Todd Tauber, we we've we've done casual like riffing on things, um, and uh, it, so it's it's not it's work with a, a lowercase w. Um, and with with Josh, it would be the the same. Um, we we often uh, will will connect and and talk about the problems he's trying to solve, and uh, I, I'm just super impressed. I don't think I could do when you say you know have i worked with them i don't know if i could because these are just people who are just so super smart i don't know if i have anything to add other than to absorb <laughs> okay yeah by the way we'll make sure that uh, uh with uh, the the podcast we also share this information in writing with a link uh, where you can uh, read more about these people so <laughs> thank you and is there uh talking about links uh something a book uh a blog uh, a podcast people should read or follow that you think that will help you to the next level. Yeah, the, so the book that I always refer people to is actually not an L and D book. It's nothing. It's, it's you know I because there's a, there's a lot out there, but the book that I actually really love is is called Educated by a woman uh, Terry or sorry Tara Westover, and it's her journey from she grew up in a very rural environment and she wasn't given any um, formal education. She she was homeschooled and. Her, she ends up basically getting a, a, a PhD in, I believe it's it's Cambridge or, or Oxford, and it's her journey as to how education and access to information changed her mindset and 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 opened up her potential. And I find it just a very fascinating look because to me it speaks back to what I'm always interested in, which is what learning can do for people. It's not just you know to help them succeed in their careers, but what is it? What does it actually mean? And what is what does opportunity mean? So that is more like a motivational book that you yeah. really see the value of learning. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's interesting because most people actually refer back to one of the learning leaders who had a new insider learning. So that's that's nice. Well, there's a lot out and there. I, I mean, for me, that, for me, that's a new book. That's that's really interesting. So I haven't heard of that yet. So uh, mm -hmm. I will definitely dive into that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. And then uh, the the last question is: uh, So, uh, who should I talk to next? Who do you think I should interview that uh, will give me new insights? Where I, I think from? I'm going to suggest another fellow uh, Canadian. Well, she, she well she lives she lives in in Calgary, um, and it's Dr. Stella Lee. And I find her absolutely fascinating. Uh, she uh, has her doctorate in, um, in ed tech, and she is an encyclopedia for everything you possibly need to know. But what I also love about her is she's just a true Renaissance person. She's a phenomenal artist. Uh, every time I see her, uh, her visuals and what she creates, um, I'm just, I'm just so uh, amazed. She's multilingual. She's just a, a really interesting person and a fantastic chef. So there's lots to talk about with her in addition to uh, her, her knowledge about EdTech. That sounds exciting. I will definitely reach out to her. Thank you for that. So any last words from your side to wrap this up? 
Uh, just a huge thank you. I, I, I uh, enjoy all of our conversations, Casper, and uh, it's wonderful to, to speak with you. Yeah, well, thank you for being uh, on this podcast. I really enjoyed it as well. And I think I uh, got a couple of new uh, insights and some things I need to follow up on, both on the people side, I didn't know everybody, and on the book. So uh, thank you for that. And that's also sort of the goal to get like those new insights. So I think uh, thank you for this, uh, for sharing this. This podcast is brought to you by Easy Generator, an easy-to-use authoring tool for subject matter experts. At Easy Generator, we want to empower employees in the business to capture and share their knowledge. How do we do it? By designing an intuitive and simple platform that anyone can use to create learning content for their organizations. To learn more, visit us at easygenerator.com.